Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I this guy for wisdom. I've had a couple takeaways watching this Russia-Ukraine situation unfold, this war taking place that Putin's waged against the Ukrainians there. And uh, one, of course, Putin's a lunatic. That, that much is clear. But the media in this country is so useless, so worthless, so unreliable. They've gotten story after story wrong. And I understand that in war, you're going to have propaganda. Uh, the Russians are going to have their propaganda for their own purposes. You know, you got to boost morale. You've got to build a movement. You've got to get people on board in the country for what you're doing. And the Ukrainians, too. I mean, they're operating from a position of severe weakness in comparison to the might of the Russian military. And so, you know, they're going to put things out there as well to try and boost morale for their, well, citizens who are wielding weapons and taking to the streets to, de to defend their country. But what's astonishing to me is the lack of journalism in this country, uh, the absolute propaganda that we're witnessing, and you don't know what to trust. And that's the thing. I mean, we've known this for a long time because we understand that in this country, all we have is, in terms of the mainstream media is pure propaganda, pure propaganda. They have lied, whether you want to go back to Trump-Russia collusion, quid pro quo, inciting an insurrection. None of those things were true. They've been lying forever. But now, even with Russia, Ukraine, they have to have some political slant, some political angle to benefit the regime, the Democratic Party, Joe Biden. Have you ever seen somebody, by the way, so worthless in terms of leadership in America? This is so embarrassing. Uh, you know, we had, we had heightened tensions. The Russian troops on the move in Ukraine over the weekend. The war didn't stop. Putin didn't take off the weekend. But... Joe Biden took off the weekend. This guy's supposed to be the president of the United States. And it was amazing. I saw an article, article from The Hill, of all places, and it was praising Joe Biden for his leadership. What leadership? The Europeans have taken charge, and we're just taking a back seat. And Joe Biden went to Delaware over the weekend amidst all of this. The, the, the man, it is undeniable that he is unfit for office. Now, it's another conversation, I know. He's not really running things. We know that. I I'm not going to blame everything on his, his uh, well, mental decline or him being just a stupid person. That's not really the case because he's just doing what he's told. He's, he's marching out there to deliver speeches from teleprompters when he's told to, to read the propaganda talking points. So I get it. He's just a useful corpse. But nonetheless, this guy went home to Delaware and then he came back and you saw him walking across the White House lawn there. And he looks like a geisha. You know the geishas in China, they bound their feet to prevent them from, from, well, any kind of social life, really, to force them into chairs to do work. But the result of that is, is they had limited movement. And he looks like a geisha walking across the lawn. These tiny little plodding steps, the image of weakness. And we know why he took the weekend off. He had to prepare for his State of the Union propaganda piece, his speech that he's going to give later today. And by the way, I'm going to save you the time and energy. You do not need to tune into that speech. You probably wouldn't anyway. I don't think anyone's going to watch. 
There's only one thing I don't know in terms of predictions regarding his speech this evening. It's the length of it. Will he go for a short speech or a long speech? Typically, they're pretty long. But I expect he may give a shortened speech because that's all he can take. But he, he ran off to Delaware amidst all this. He cannot walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. The man, Joe Biden, can't walk or chew bubblegum, as a matter of fact. But he's back, and he came back, and he didn't address Russia-Ukraine. He went and gave a speech for Black History Month, and he accused Republicans of trying to prevent black people from voting, ensuring that their votes don't count. That is how sick and perverted this person is. And you had a lot of weird things going on. You had Jill Biden, you know, making a crack, a joke, suggesting that Kamala Harris is actually the president. Uh, it's not funny. It's not funny. I mean, she can't read a room. None of these people can read a room because they're insulated. These tyrants know they have a media that is sycophantic to them. And they don't behave like rational human beings. And, and a couple takeaways to get back to my point, watching what's happening in Russia, Ukraine with Putin, the lunatic. We've got our own lunatics here in America. And we're condemning rightfully what's happening. But when it was Canada and Trudeau doing what he did, acting like a tyrant, taking those emergency powers to force submission of peaceful protesters, whether it's Putin doing what he's doing now, arresting people who are protesting the war, we've got that here. We've got people in prison still in Washington, D.C., who did nothing wrong except enter the Capitol building. No violence whatsoever, but they're being held without bail. And we're just going to get into it today with how insane this country is and how far gone the Democratic Party is. And if you're a Democrat out there listening to me, oh, this is so partisan. No, no, I, I, yeah, maybe I am partisan because I'm a conservative. I believe in this country and love it. But I'm just speaking facts and truth. And if you choose to deny, deny it and ignore it, that's your problem. You're a lunatic as well. And I'm sorry to use that word. But if you continue to listen to this media that is lying to you and you can't put the pieces together or think for yourself, there's something wrong with your brain. Now, I want to get into start off this program with uh, the Durham revelation. So the Durham investigation, you, you've heard me talk about it on the show before. I got into it. I made some predictions a few weeks ago. I talked about the severity of what's going on. Hillary Clinton and her campaign spied on the Donald Trump campaign in 2016. That's the gist of it. Now, the Durham revelations, well, they showed that and proved that Hillary Clinton, through Michael Sussman, a lawyer at the Perkins Coy Law Firm, uh, they funneled money through him to pay a tech executive to use his resources and his influence and his connections to monitor monitor the servers at, at, at Trump Tower uh, and uh, uh, different Trump locations. And he was tasked with the, the duty of digging up dirt on Donald Trump. But it was very specific. In fact, the command was to find a connection between Donald Trump and Russia. And they did it with Alpha Bank. Alpha Bank's the, the Russian bank that Sussman, when he went to the FBI, the general counsel there, he provided them white papers, documentation, evidence that suggested that Trump email servers had been communicating with this Russian bank known as Alpha Bank. And that was all they needed to go forward with this narrative that Trump had a connection to Russia. That's all it was. But what happened is, 
they didn't find this. They planted it. The hackers hacked into Alpha Bank per the, the orders of the Hillary Clinton campaign. They hacked into those servers in Russia and planted evidence, planted a trail, created a trail that did not actually exist to Donald Trump. Now, Alpha Bank, this is an update. So I talked about this briefly, but they sued individuals that they claimed were responsible for executing what they called a highly sophisticated cyber attack scheme to fabricate apparent communications, apparent communications between Alpha Bank and the Trump organization in the months leading up to the 2016 election. Now, one of the individuals Alpha Bank sought information from was the man named in the Durham indictment as Tech Executive One. That's a guy named Rodney Joffe, J-O-F-F-E. And according to the Federalist, which is reporting this, Rodney tried to, so they, you know, they're doing this discovery period and they're interviewing people and, and subpoenaing individuals and trying to put their case together. Well, they sought information from Joffe, the tech executive, and he tried to quash Alphenbeck's subpoena. But Joffe still was deposed. That was denied. He was deposed, which mean he, means he had to sit in front of the Alpha Bank lawyers. And he was interviewed. But he didn't answer any questions. He refused to answer questions. And this is from the Joffe dep- deposition that was filed in court. And in Florida is where they, they filed the lawsuit. Now, Alpha Bank deposed Joffe on February 11th, 2022. And this is when Joffe invoked... Uh, the Fifth Amendment, his constitutional privilege against self-incrimination. So he, he declined to answer any questions. So he pleaded the Fifth over and over. He was not cooperative. But he also refused to speak to Durham's team. Durham tried to sit him down for an interview as well with regards to his case, and he refused to submit to a voluntary interview. And so the special counsel subpoenaed him to testify before a grand jury. And it turns out, guess what? He asserted his Fifth Amendment right again, refusing to answer questions before the grand jury. Now, the Democrats and liberal media, I mean, this would be a clear indication of guilt, right? We saw them drag associates of Trump, whether it was Manafort or anyone else, through the mud trying to just incriminate someone else in order to get to Donald Trump. But here you have a guy who's uncooperative, who's pleading the fifth. And we know what happened. We know that the Clinton campaign hired the tech executive through Michael Sussman to plant evidence. It's a coup. It is a coup. That's what took place. But the media doesn't want any of us focused on this story, right? This is real stuff. Real damaging and dangerous information. But instead, they've got to fill their airwaves. They've got to fill their time slots on TV. They don't really own radio because no one tunes in. But on TV, CNN, NBC, the rest, they got to fill it with something else. So they fill it with a bunch of bogus stories that amount to nothing. They're still going after Trump, by the way. And they knew he was a viable candidate. And this gets me back to what took place in 2020. Look, it's not even a secret anymore. It's not even a secret. Had they not broken laws and changed the way elections are conducted, they would not have been able to install Donald, uh, Joe Biden in office. That's a matter of fact. You know, I want to read you a story right now before I get into the State of the Union address here in my predictions. Um, this is out of, uh, out of Wisconsin, right? So Wisconsin was one of those states that ended up going for Joe Biden. But how did it happen? This gets back to Zuckerberg. If you're not familiar with this, Zuckerberg, he granted funds to 
Well, I'll just use Wisconsin. He did this in other swing states as well. He targeted them and gave them money. So uh, this is according to, uh, to the Federalists as well. This is breaking. This is insane. So Zuckerberg gave, fa- gave funds directly to five Democratic strongholds in Wisconsin, all right? But a special counsel found that it violated the state's election code's prohibition on bribery. So this is a, a, a violation of the law in Wisconsin, and yet those electoral votes were counted. But now it's what? It's 2022. Joe Biden's already in office. Do you see how sick this is and why the Democrats didn't want any investigations to actually take place? They did everything they could illegally and unlawfully to make sure that they got the result they wanted, which was the defeat of Donald Trump and the installation of Joe Biden. And they could not tolerate any investigation. What do they tell us? Oh, no, no, there's no evidence of fraud. This was the fairest election in history. Joe Biden got the most votes for any president in American history. So anyway, I want to get into this. This is a 150-page report. Obviously, I'm not going to read 150 pages to you. Just the bullet points. Now, this report and this investigation wasn't to challenge the individual votes. It was to get into violations of, of voting laws that took place in Wisconsin via Mark Zuckerberg, who funded all of this. So according to this report, all right, Priscilla Chan, that's Zuckerberg's wife. So Priscilla and Mark, they provided financing that allowed the Center for Tech and Civic Life to offer nearly $9 million in what we call Zuck Bucks to Milwaukee, Madison, Racine, I think it's pronounced, Kenosha, and Green Bay counties. So in exchange, the Zuckerberg Five, that's the county, Zuckerberg Five, that's what we're calling them, as the report says, uh, they operated Democratic get-out-the-vote efforts. Those grants, are you ready? Those grant funds, those $9 million that Zuckerberg gave to these five counties, the Zuckerberg Five, well, they were used to establish illegal drop boxes to be placed in Democratic voting strongholds. Not everywhere, just Democratic voting strongholds. Now, there's a lot of issues with this, including a violation of the Constitution. You can't make it easier and put these drop boxes only in Democratic areas for your own uh, uh, success. You can't do it. You have to do it everywhere or nowhere. But nonetheless... These uh, drop boxes were illegal, and this raised a second area of concern for the special counsel's office. The report's notes state, election code limits the manner in which ballots may be cast. So the elector must personally mail or deliver his or her ballot to the municipal clerk, except where the law authorizes an agent to act on the behalf of the voter. Let me break this down. Drop off boxes per the laws in Wisconsin are not lawful. They're illegal. You have to drop off your ballot in person. You can't do it under cover of night and just drop it in a mailbox and no one knows who dropped it off there. So that was illegal. So they, they, they violated the law and not only did they violate it, but they put these specifically only in Democrat strongholds. So this is the violation of the Equal Protection Clause. Um, the money, the grant money targeted specific voters for special voting privileges. That's right. So Democrat strongholds, they get special voting privileges. You get drop-off boxes where, who knows, you can drop off 100, 
200, 300, 1,000 ballots completely anonymously. But in Republican areas, that's not offered to you. So I just want you to understand that 2020 was such a joke, was such a joke, and it was outright thievery. And now it's too late. The Republicans caved. But this is what, I mean, does it not bother you that all of this is coming out a year into this current administration? Wisconsin violated election laws. Pennsylvania violated election laws. All states that Joe Biden carried and won. So you've got all of this taking place in the 2020 election. You've got Hillary Clinton in 2016, when Trump actually did win, engaging in a coup attempt. And that's what the whole four years of Donald Trump were about. Ousting, unseating a duly elected president. But you have Joe Biden with a gall to come back from his weekend and accuse Republicans of trying to prevent black people from voting after they just did what they did in 2020. And they're racist. They're racist. You know, Republicans want people to prove their identity identity to vote. To go to the Super Bowl that just took place not long ago, you had to present identification. They proved you were who you were at the Super Bowl. I didn't hear calls of a racist Super Bowl because everyone can get an ID. You need an ID for pretty much everything that happens in this country. So the State of the Union address, you're going to hear this in the speech, by the way, because, well, let me just put it this way. We will hear, however long Biden's speech, there will not be a single truthful thing said because there's not a single thing that Joe Biden has succeeded at. There's not a single thing he can be proud of. So it will be a speech of pure dishonesty, pure deceit. And in that speech, one of the things he's going to point out, I guarantee you they're priming for it because all they have, all they have in light of all of their failures, in light of these, these I mean, alarming poll numbers, alarming poll numbers, uh, his, his poll numbers and approval rating just sinks daily. Democrats are, are retiring at record numbers because they know they're not going to win. And they're going to get shellacked. And so really the only thing that could possibly fend off some of this devastating defeat that they're going to face at the ballot box in the midterm elections later this year is changing the voting laws, cheating in the election. That's the only thing that can protect them and save them. So this is part of this voting rights legislation they continue to push. I think they're going to put a lot of their eggs in that basket, if not most all of them. Because without that, they're toast. And they did it to themselves because of their behavior, their conduct, and their lies. Their illegality, the coups, everything else. I mean, that's why I say, you look at what's happening in Russia with Putin and everything else. Oh, people try to steal elections and things like that. That happens in America. That's happening in America. We have lunatics in this country and our government that are undermining democracy daily who are trying to censor free speech, who are going after our our amendment rights, who are telling us things that are antithetical to the American way of life. The rejection of our Constitution, the rejection of the idea and the principle and the revolutionary novel idea that makes us the most unique, greatest nation in the history of the world, which is what? We the people. We're the master, they're the servant. But what do you hear from Democrats? What do they believe? They don't believe that we're in charge. They want us to be subservient. That's all you hear from them. Do as we say. 
You cannot even speak out against us. Voices of dissent are not permitted. So you're going to hear stuff about this voting rights legislation. And of course, you know, the, the, he's going to be the great uniter, right? That's what he tried to claim. Oh, he's going to unite Americans. All he does is divide. That's all he does. And then they project and they gaslight and they try and act like they're the good guys. They're the moral people. They're our superiors in every way, intellectually, morally, all of those things that are not true. And you know, of course, last time, things changed so fast, by the way. I was up late last night researching, and even as I'm preparing to do this show and give you this information, things are changing. So I was up late, you know, just trying to compile everything. And, you know, I think that People may, they think that this, this is just easy. You sit behind a microphone and you just talk for an hour. Sure, you just sit here and talk. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Imagine how you feel every day trying to just figure out, separate the truth from fiction. It's very difficult because most of what's out there, most of what we're hearing is pure propaganda. And it takes an immense amount of time to research to study, to get to the bottom of these things and ask questions because journalists don't ask any questions anymore. They just repeat. And because the article is published on CNN, Democrats, for example, just take it as the word of God. They don't question it. You know, this is amazing. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story right now before I get into the rest of the State of the Union. This is your idea. So you got fact checkers, right? And the fact checkers exist to prevent truth from coming out. The fact checker is a propagandist. The fact checker is a liar. So we'll get into this in greater detail later, but just to give you an example of why you cannot trust the media and why they're so disgraceful and dangerous to democracy. So it's been claimed that the U.S. doubled its oil imports from Russia in the last year. That'd be under Biden. Under Biden, we have doubled oil imports from, from Russia. Here's a PolitiFact fact check. It says, and I'll put it up on the screen for you, uh, for those that are watching on Rumble. But uh, the, the, the headline of the fact check is, the U.S. did not double oil imports from Russia in the last year. Now, you read down the fact check, and it says, the U.S. did double the amount of crude oil imported from Russia last year. Can I repeat that? Here's the headline. Here's the fact check. The U.S. did not double oil imports from Russia in the last year. Here's the fact check. The U.S. did double the amount of crude oil imported from Russia last year. And then it goes on, but the Russia accounts, but Russia accounts for only about 3% of overall U.S. crude oil imports in 2021. So we did double it, but they just put a headline saying we didn't do it. That's how sick, that's why you have to be so cautious. And I say, look, I do the heavy lifting, and I take this very seriously, and it's important to me to maintain your trust, and I maintain your trust by being honest and by doing this work. And so, you know, if you hear me say something, absolutely, look into it for yourself. But this is why I'm warning you. You can't trust anybody because it's just a bunch of lies. So they lifted the, the mass mandates, by the way, at the State of the Union. Isn't that convenient? Now, last week when I was talking to you, I was discussing how 
Uh, Nancy Pelosi was insisting that people wear masks, get tested, whatever else. They all had to wear masks on their faces. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, masks are lifted. And also, did you notice how COVID just ended? As soon as uh, uh, the Russia conflict uh, came up, COVID just disappeared. And that makes me so irate, so irate, because we could have been living our lives this way for two years if the media weren't just reporting day after day, oh, case numbers and so on and so forth and trying to scare everybody to death. Now the media is not interested in COVID. They're not reporting infection rates. They're not reporting anything. And they're lifting the mass mandates. And I'll tell you what you're going to hear for the reason they're doing this. Now, of course, Jen Psaki, the, the chief propagandist for Joe Biden, his spokesperson, she was asked about this and she said, uh, you know, it's, it's a basically a coincidence. It's, it's, of course, has nothing to do with the State of the Union speech. It's just they're listening to the advice of the Capitol physician. His name's Brian Monahan. No, 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 no. It's just a coincidence this is happening. It's not a coincidence. They're doing this for optics. Because Joe Biden needs a success, and he's going to say, look at this room. We don't have to wear masks anymore because of me. Now, it was arbitrary to begin with, the masking. And we know scientifically it never worked. It did not work. It was to keep fear alive and ensure that in the front of everyone's brains every day, COVID, 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 death, 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 obey, obey, obey. That's what it was. And so now they're lifting him, lifting it for the State of the Union so that Joe Biden can claim that the reason they don't have to wear masks anymore is because of him. He conquered COVID. It's a lie, an absolute abject lie, but that's why they're doing this. So on Sunday, this Capitol physician, Brian Monahan, he shared these changes with lawmakers. So they're just following his advice, don't you know? Just following his advice. Individuals may choose to mask at any time but it is no longer a requirement. Wow, now it's not mandatory. Now they don't have to get fined if they don't wear it. I wonder if Joe Biden will wear a mask, though. He seems to love that thing on his face. Will he walk in the chamber, the only masked man in the room, and remove it while he speaks? It'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to see. And 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 don't you know, of course, uh, the media is already preparing us for what to expect from this speech, and they're making excuses. They don't want us to ask the questions. They just want to give us the talking points. So don't you know that Joe Biden really wanted to talk about his successes later this evening? He really wanted to talk to the American people about the importance of his agenda and all the wonderful things he did, you know, like getting Americans killed in Afghanistan, leaving billions of arms behind for the Taliban, you know, destroying our gas and energy industry, creating the worst inflation in 40 years. You know, all those things that he's done that have been so successful. You know, getting more people killed from COVID under his administration than Trump. Yeah, all those successes, right? Rip-roaring success. So he wanted to talk about those things, but now, now we have this, this thing happening uh, in Ukraine. Russia has invaded Ukraine, so unfortunately, don't you know he's so upset, but now he's going to have to devote a significant portion of his speech to... Uh, talking about Russia, Ukraine, that conflict. So now he won't really be able to devote as much time as he wanted to to telling us how great things are in America. So he's going to talk about the Russian invasion. You know, like I said, he's got to fill time with something, something other than his failures. 
and problems here at home. He's got to distract us. He's got to put our attention elsewhere. And he also needs a scapegoat. And he's going to talk about the future. Optimism. That's going to be the central focus of his speech. He's going to tell us how terrible things are, but how good they are at the same time. How much suffering we can endure and how much suffering we're going to continue to endure because not of his policies, not because of the Democratic Party, because of Russia, Ukraine, you know, inflation, soaring gas prices, energy prices, all of those things that we've been experiencing since he first stepped foot in the Oval Office. Well, forget about the year before the invasion. Now all that stuff is just piled in and it's also a result of Russia, Ukraine. Somehow, we're going back retroactively, and this invasion is responsible for everything that took place in the prior year before the invasion. So they've been rewriting this address to account for this war. And um, one thing he's going to do, he's going to remind us that our best days lie ahead. That's what he's going to say. America's best days are ahead. Do you notice the Democrats, all they have is hope? All they have is predictions for future uh, success. You notice how when they're in charge, everything sucks. They're never focused on the present. It's always about what they're going to do in the future because their policies do not create success. They do not create a, a, a viable economy. They don't result in any kind of favorable conditions for the American people because by design, they're destructive. They create crises. And so they're always pointing to the future. Look, things are so bad, it's not our fault, but in the future, things are going to be good. Imagine falling for that garbage. Imagine falling for that every time, and you can't put the pieces together. But that's such drivel. How many times do you think we're going to hear, the rich aren't paying their fair share, by the way? I bet we hear that, too. The rich aren't paying their fair share. And, you know, the Build Back Better plan, that big uh, uh, social transformation bill that he wanted to pass and couldn't pass because it was opposed by Manchin and Cinema. I think he's going to rebrand it. That'll be interesting to watch. How he rebrands the same thing in new language to get a fresh start and build support for this. And uh, he's going to try and demand unity because uh, he's a wartime president now, don't you know? We've got this Russia-Ukrainian war, and we've got to come together. We've got to come together as Americans to deal with these serious issues that are affecting Americans in this country. So he's going to use it, though, to try and quash dissent. We need to be unified right now. We can't have all these distractions. The American people need to just get on Team Democrat Party because the dangers are so real. We can't afford to have voices of dissent out there. We got to be lockstep together towards Marxism. So he's going to make dissent sound and seem unpatriotic. He's going to go there, too. And he's going to use the speech as a launching point to go on whatever the rebranded campaign is for this infrastructure tour. He's going to go and promote it. I think he's already scheduled to go somewhere else uh, in the coming days and pitch it. So we're going to hear the unveiling of the newly branded Marxist policies that he wants to pass. And he's going to say, of course, that we need to pass these policies to get out of inflation Right, So he creates the problems, and then he's going to present a solution that isn't a solution at all. And climate change, climate change is going to be there. Climate change is, listen to me carefully, climate change is a hoax, H-O-A-X, a hoax. 
I know that's not popular because the media has beat us down for so long and tried to convince us that we can't say that. That if you don't believe in climate change because the science is settled, don't you know? Just the scientists that they cherry pick. But the science is settled. The Earth is 4.5 billion years old. We have surface temperature data going back to the 1880s. So roughly, roughly based on 142 some odd years of surface temperature data out of 4.5 billion years is definitive proof that man is responsible for warming temperatures. But notice how, you know, this is the thing, you know, when it's a hot day or we get a heat spike, it's global warming. But when it's a, a cold weather, it's a polar vortex. When it's a hurricane, when it's something else, then it's climate change. They want, their, they want to have their cake and eat it too. But that's how ludicrous this is. And, you know, I always get into this because it's fun, but 50 million years ago, before man's unnatural presence was known on this earth, do you know that Antarctica looked like Florida? That's right, sandy beaches, palm trees, crocodiles. And the actual uh, atmospheric carbon dioxide was actually higher 50 million years ago than it is today. But don't ask those questions. Don't listen to that. Don't, don't think for yourself. No, no, no. Man is responsible for everything. And we are in such a dangerous position, by the way, with Ukraine. I'm trying to think how I want to broach this with you in a logical, linear fashion that is easily digestible. Okay. Back in January, Ted Cruz sponsored a bill to sanction the, the, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Okay? This is the pipeline that Trump had sanctioned in 2019. And then in May of last year, Joe Biden lifted the sanctions. So the Nord Stream 2 makes Europe totally reliant on Russia for its natural gas. Okay? And this is 40% of Russia's economy. It's oil and natural gas. Totally dependent on it. So Joe Biden has sanctioned our energy production more than he was willing to sanction Russia's. And in fact, he didn't sanction Russia's at all. He lifted the Trump sanctions. And so... When those 100,000 troops were amassed at the border of Ukraine and Joe Biden was saying he was certain, certain that Putin was going to invade Ukraine, Ted Cruz sponsored a bill saying we need to slap sanctions back on the Nord Stream 2. And Joe Biden rallied the Democrats and said, no, don't put those sanctions in place. It'll undermine our diplomatic efforts. And the other arguments were that if we sanction Nord Stream 2 because Putin wants Nord Stream 2. If we sanction it, it'll encourage him to invade. It'll give him one less reason not to invade. So putting sanctions on before the invasion would encourage an invasion, but somehow putting the sanctions in place after the invasion are going to prevent the invasion. Am I getting this right? That's Democrat logic. And of course, he invaded. You know what the other argument, you know, th this argument was so stupid. So stupid to begin with. And they still, by the way, have not put those sanctions in place. Germany is doing something about it right now. And this is complex and convoluted because Germany, look, everyone is self-interested. So I'm not going to focus on the individual desires and get in the heads and minds of the German government and everyone else. I'm just going to talk about us and what we need to do.
But still, we haven't put those sanctions in place. Can I ask you, if you're a Democrat listening, a question? Does it make sense to you to give Russia a natural gas pipeline while sanctioning our own energy production at home? Does it make sense to import more oil and fund this war by buying crude oil from Putin? Or does it make more sense to unleash energy production in America and undercut Putin to make us energy independent so we don't need it from anywhere else in the world? Just asking. Just asking. But for Democrats, apparently it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putin's so dangerous. We condemn him so much. What he's doing, it's so terrible. But let's increase the number of barrels of of crude oil that we buy from Putin. Even while he's invading Ukraine. And you know what? While he's invading Ukraine, while we're importing more oil than ever before, doubling our import of crude oil from Russia, let's continue to sanction American oil and gas. Let's actually reduce our production even more and buy more from Russia. Does that make sense to anyone? Only if you're a lunatic. And that's why I say we have lunatics in this country. And so, you know, Saki gave a press conference. Uh, she was asked about these sanctions. Where are they? What are you doing? Are you going to sanction Nord Stream 2? She says, um, Peppermint Patty said, uh, we have taken steps. We have not taken some steps on energy sanctions, in part because we weigh that it would also have extreme consequences on the world energy market. So we're not going to sanction Russia because it would have consequences on Europe and energy markets? I beg your pardon? So they're putting us in a position in which we are dependent upon Russian oil and doing everything they can to keep it that way. By the way, I was watching Saki. <laughs> I was looking at Saki uh, in this latest press conference. I think this was yesterday. And, you know, she's got this necklace on. Someone needs to get with her and, and help her with her outfits. I mean, she's public facing all the time. She should look great. Uh, I mean, she's got the, the, the hair dyed down, but, um, but she looks like she's wearing a string of kibble of dog food around her neck. She's got this necklace on, and I, I'm, I kid you not, it looks like a, a little bit larger version of the dry food that I feed my dog, but it's, on a, on a, it's, it's like pearls, pearls of kibble around her neck, pearls of dog food that she's wearing. And another thing, before we get into this energy a little bit more, have you noticed how, you know, when... when um, when Russia and Putin began rounding up and arresting protesters that were protesting against the Putin-led invasion, Russians protesting this in St. Petersburg and Moscow, well, they were rounded up and arrested. And that was some horrific totalitarian act. But did you notice the left? They cheered the arrest of the peaceful truckers, the peaceful protesters in Canada. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So this, this, this administration doesn't want to incre increase our own oil production. They want to eliminate it completely because they want to force us into adopting their Green New Deal, this Green New Energy. And this is all on purpose. This is all on purpose. You have to understand who the left is and what they want. Complete power. They are not good people. They don't have noble intentions. They do not act in good faith. Just remember that, and it all makes sense. It all makes sense. In an objective way, 
This is a national security problem at this point as well, by the way. It's not just a matter of gas being cost prohibitive and hurting Americans' wallets at home. It's a national security threat. And the Democrats, Joe Biden, are further sanctioning our own oil production. It is insane. It is lunacy. This is a shadow war against American energy production. It's part of intentional and forced transformation. And that's what you're going to hear in the State of the Union speech, by the way. Climate change, climate change, climate change. Now, this is the other insane, stupid argument from the left. So they argue, by the way, that, you know, continuing construction of the Keystone XL pipeline, which would have brought over 800,000 barrels of crude oil per day from Canada to the U.S., delivered that to us, they say that, well, you know, that would take too long to build. You know, it still takes time. It wouldn't solve our problem right now. But out of the other side of their mouth, they say, but yeah, if we just start investing in clean, you know, solar panels and windmills and things like that, that's a better alternative. Does that not take time too? And it's not even a matter of taking time. It's not feasible. It cannot, it cannot replace oil and natural gas that we rely upon. We will be without energy going that route. And it's based on a hoax to begin with. It's not responsible for changing temperature. It's a lie, a hoax. But that's what they're going to push in this speech. And so they're using what's happening in Russia, Ukraine right now to give them ammunition to force their Green New Deal in America. The rest of the world is ramping up production is using oil and natural gas, is dependent upon it, just as we are. And the Democrats don't care. They don't care about the price you pay at the pump. They don't care about any of it. All they care about is forcing their agenda down our throats. They are tyrants and dictators. All right. So I want to get into something else here that's insane, because we're talking about the lunacy of, uh, of Putin, right? Um, I want to tell you about, uh, Darren Brown. If you haven't heard Darren Brown, he was uh, 19 years old. This is uh, a few months ago. I remember reading the story when it first took place and it was, it was gruesome. It was shocking, painful to even hear the story. So Darren Brown, this 19 year old, uh, African, African American male, he snatched a child from his crib, from this from his crib. So he broke into this house and snatched a, a child, a baby from his crib in southwest Dallas, and he stabbed the child to death. And a jogger actually is the one who found this, this dead child about a half mile from the house with stab wounds lying in a pool of blood. And this 19-year-old, Darren Brown, who murdered this child, stole him out of a house from a crib and then stabbed him repeatedly and left him in a pool of his own blood, well, he's uh, been deemed too incompetent to stand trial. He's going to go to a psychiatric hospital, and he's not going to be charged. Now, this same suspect, by the way, as usual, as usual, had a history. Could have been predicted that something like this could have happened because this kid faced charges of burglary and injury to an elderly person in February of 2021. And he, in that incident, tried to abduct a two-year-old girl. 
He was also reportedly arrested for a misdemeanor charge of evading arrest on April 27, 2021. All those charges, he's on the streets, and then it results in the death of someone's child, stabbed to death, senselessly, despicably. And this guy's not going to be in prison. He's not even going to be tried because, well, he's too incompetent to stand trial. But don't worry. Don't worry. There is justice because Matthew Perna is dead. That's right. We can all celebrate because a real bad guy committed suicide. The world is, is a better place without Matthew Perna in it. It's not. I'm being facetious. I'll go on. So Matthew Perna, yeah, he was a very, very dangerous guy who just committed suicide in a jail in D.C. He was so dangerous, Matthew Perna was, in fact, that he was being held without bail in, in D.C. You know what he did? This is how dangerous Matthew Perna was. This is why he was being held without bail in a D.C. gulag. Because he entered the Capitol building on January 6th and walked around for 20 minutes. He didn't even go outside the velvet ropes. Actually, a Capitol Police officer opened the door for him. He walked through the door. He wasn't charged with any acts of violence, but for entering the Capitol building and taking some pictures for 20 minutes before leaving, well, he went on the FBI's most wanted list from January 6th. So he turned himself in. That's how dangerous he was. He even turned himself into the FBI. He didn't go on the run. He turned himself in. And uh, this guy's a big domestic terrorist for taking pictures inside the Capitol building. So he pleaded guilty to trespassing in December, and he's been held in jail without bail ever since. And he was scheduled for sentencing on March 3rd. And by the way, they kept pushing the dates, pushing the dates, basically torturing the guy mentally with what was going to happen to him. And meanwhile, while they keep pushing the date, pushing the date, and he's left without bail, stuck in this gulag. Well, then he learned that the DOJ was now actually pursuing additional charges against him. So he killed himself. He couldn't take it anymore. The DOJ, the Democratic Party, are responsible for Matthew Perna's death. And you know what? They're also responsible for that child's death because it's their stupid policies that put these criminals on the streets. But Matthew Perna... Matthew Perna, he was not allowed to walk the streets because he was too dangerous for walking into the Capitol on January 6th and taking some photos. But Darren Brown, he'll be back on the streets soon. And how about also, by the way, that BLM guy? I forget his name right now. He's the one who walked into the Democrat Jewish mayoral candidate's office. I think it's in Louisville, Kentucky. And he bought, brought a Glock in and fired. Thankfully, he didn't kill anybody, but he tried to... It was attempted murder. Well, that guy, he's back on the streets because BLM bailed him out with $100,000 they raised. So Matthew Perna committed suicide in jail because he was being held without bail for taking some photographs inside the Capitol on January 6th. But a guy who was a BLM activist who tried to commit murder against a Democrat Jewish mayoral candidate in Louisville, he is allowed to walk the streets out on 100,000 bail raised by BLM. This country, do you see why I say, look at what's happening in Canada? Look at what's happening with Putin and how he treats people. We're not that far off. We're lying to ourselves if we believe that America is still this sacred place that embraces democracy and freedom and everything else. We are right there on the cusp of being with all these people. And when I read you stories like that, how else, how else can you interpret it? 
And all this, all this, all these dictators around the world, including our own here, Biden, that are beating their chests, beating their chests and saying, you know, we condemn Russia. We're going to sanction you. It's all empty words, empty rhetoric and virtue signaling. I'll give you the best example. Forget the fact that the U.S. has done nothing to prevent this. Forget that fact for just a moment. Listen to what Trudeau, because this takes the cake. Trudeau's getting real tough on Russia. He's leading the way, actually. Look out for Trudeau. I mean, if I'm Putin and I watch the way Trudeau treats his own citizens, I'm fearful. I hope he doesn't treat me like he treats his citizens. That's scary, right? If only, by the way, uh, Trudeau, Biden, the Democrats, if only they treated our real enemies like they treated uh, peaceful people in America, dissenters in America, we'd be in a better place. But anyway, Trudeau's getting very, very tough on Russia. He's going to treat Russia like those Canadian protesters, don't you know? He's going to hit him where it hurts, baby. He's going to stop importing Russian crude. What a big step, right? Trudeau is leading the way. He's going to stop importing Russian crude. He is setting the example that America should follow, except, except, guess what? Canada hasn't imported any crude oil from Russia since 2019. That's what the Natural Resources Minister in Canada, Jonathan Wilkinson, Wilkinson told lawmakers on Monday. So Trudeau's out there saying, I'm not going to import any Russian crude, and yet they haven't imported any Russian crude since 2019. How about that for deception? These people get away with it. These people get away with it time and time again. Uh, I want to tell you something else. Just a little bit of positive kind of fun stuff here, all right? So we had CPAC that just took place over the last weekend, and Trump was there. Trump gave a speech, and I'm telling you, that guy has not missed a step. Not missed a step. To see the juxtaposition of what we have currently in the Oval Office due to what they did in 2020, Comparing Biden with Trump right now, two old white men, worlds apart, worlds of difference. I mean, he, he, he stood there without a teleprompter. He went off. He just spoke, delivered it, made points. It was absolutely brilliant. And it was the same Trump that we loved for four years, the same Trump, the campaign, he's in top shape, top form, fighting shape. And it was just, and that's why the Democrats hate it. They railed it. They hated the speech. You know why? Because the American people can see it. Right now, when the American people, let me see if I have this in front of me here. Um, okay, okay, okay. Before I get into to, to Trump here, let me just, before I forget, because the farther we get into the show, I have to kick stuff out. I can't do everything. So I got to do it now. The majority of Americans believe that no invasion would have happened if Trump was president. That's right. So the Harvard Center for American Political Studies, it's uh, CAPS, a CAPS-Harris poll, it found that 62% of Americans believed Putin would not have pulled the trigger if Trump were still president. And so then you have American people believing this and then seeing Donald Trump rail against Putin rail against uh, Joe Biden, rail against everything that's happening, and he's coherent, he's strong, he exudes strength, power, and you have Biden walking like a geisha across the lawn, talking about how Republicans are trying to prevent black people's votes from counting. And you know, you'll hear in the media, they're trying to condemn, by the way, uh, Donald Trump for, uh, I think he said, you know, uh, Putin's a brilliant guy, and he trolled them. He played them like a, what is it, a Stradivarius? What is it called, that, that instrument? But anyway, 
He played them, and, and Trump has always understood them, and he's always played them. He knows how to get under their skin, and they don't—they can't take a joke, and they take it out of context. But he's saying, you know, Putin's brilliant. Of course he is. The context is he's brilliant. Look how he's taking advantage of America. Look how he's taking—look how he's playing Joe Biden like a fiddle. But the media is saying, ooh, this is more proof of Trump-Russia collusion, you know? Trump is saying that Putin's a great guy. He didn't say any of that. He didn't say any of that. But they hate this because January 6th, everything they've done has been about ending Trump's political future because they don't believe they won in 2020. I'm just telling you right now. That's what this all points to. They don't have confidence. If they got 81 million votes and wiped the floor with Donald Trump, they wouldn't be afraid of him coming back. In fact, they should want Donald Trump to run again because they beat him so handily in 2020. It defies logic. He's the best candidate to run against them again because Biden just easily won. The American people rejected Donald Trump, so they should be, be hoping that Donald Trump runs for president, but they're not doing that, which tells you what? What I just said. They don't have confidence about what happened in 2020, and they're revealing their cards. But anyway, the audience loved Donald Trump. They cheered for him. It was just, you don't see that with Biden. You don't see that with any Democrats. Real love, a real bond, and, and real hope. A room that was just full of of, of, of red-blooded Americans who love their country. You don't see love in a Democrat, any kind of Democrat speech because they hate America. I mean, their lives are so miserable, so miserable being a Democrat, just going through life, always a victim. Everything's terrible. It doesn't have to be. But anyway, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I just want to cover this too. So she addressed an audience she was introduced by this guy named Nick Fuentes. I've never heard of Nick Fuentes. She claims, of course, she's never heard of him either. I've never heard of the guy, but apparently he's very controversial. I, I don't even know all the ins and outs of it, but, but he's a guy that you really wouldn't want to be associated with. I, I, they're calling him some kind of white supremacist or, supremacist or Holocaust denier. I, I don't know, but he's not a guy I would want to be associated with. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, she, she went to speak to his audience. He had an audience of young people at this conference. Nick Fuentes invited her to speak, and she spoke. She didn't say anything wrong. She didn't say anything that was, uh, could be condemned. She's not a white supremacist or any of this, but apparently Nick Fuentes has a colorful history. So she's being attacked by the media for standing with white supremacy and so on and so forth because she spoke and was introduced and accepted that invitation by Nick Fuentes. And, you know, this just, she shouldn't have done it, probably. I mean, it, it was definitely an oversight. Uh, I mean, she, she should have understood what she was getting into. I mean, she knows she's in the crosshairs of the media, but, but I'm not going to sit here and condemn her, okay? I mean, it's being blown out of proportion. I mean, Joe Biden, he eulogized a KKK grand wizard named Robert Byrd, a senator, Robert Byrd. He was a senator. He was a mentor of Joe Biden's. And Byrd filibustered the Civil Rights Act, by the way, of 1964. Biden called Robert Byrd a KKK grand wizard who actually went out, went out and got people to recruited KKK members. Well, Joe Biden spoke at his funeral and eulogized him and praised him. So don't tell me that you sit here and you've got Biden in the office and you love him and he's so great and you're going to condemn Marjorie Taylor Greene. She didn't call Nick Fuentes a friend. She said, I do not know Nick Fuentes. I've never heard him speak. I've never seen a video. I don't know what his views are, so I'm not aligned with anything that may be controversial. 
And she said she just wanted to have an opportunity to speak to a group of young people because they're the ones who need to hear the truth. So they're blowing this out of proportion. I mean, Obama, by the way, he was pals with Bill Ayers. Bill Ayers was a domestic terrorist, one of the founders of the Weather Underground, who bombed federal buildings. He was a terrorist. His organization bombed the Pentagon. And that was a close friend of Barack Obama. Barack Obama also went to that Trinity United uh, Church of Christ in Chicago, Reverend Wright, remember? He preached infamously, God damn America. That was him. God dead, you know, whatever. That was his thing. And that was Obama's pastor for 20 years. He sat in those pews, listened to that putrid poison in his ears, and that was swept under the rug. Not a big deal. But Marjorie Taylor Greene goes, having never met this guy before, to get access to her audience, her, her, his captive audience, and to talk to her, talk to them about what's important to America right now. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, by the way, while, while all of this is happening in, in Russia, Ukraine, it's not just Joe Biden who's asleep at the wheel. It's not just Joe Biden who's going on vacation amidst everything and showing the fact that he's not a leader, that he's useless, and that he's also owned by the Chinese. By the way, by the way, if the Russia-Ukraine conflict isn't making sense to a lot of you, China's invisible hand. That is... The little X factor here that is being left out of the equation and trying to understand what's going on. Uh, before I forget to make this point, too, during the Olympics held in Beijing in February, for the first time in two years, President Xi, the dictator for life in China, well, he sat down face to face with another world leader. And that world leader was Vladimir Putin. He sat down with Putin and they signed an agreement. This is relevant. The media is somehow missing this, but that's because they're propagandists. But you'll know this because you listen to me, and you are amongst the most informed Americans in the country. So Vladimir Putin sat down with Xi in Beijing during the Olympics, and they signed an agreement for Russia to, to provide natural gas to China for the next 30 years. They're allies. They're allies. Our administration is corrupt in the pocket of the communist Chinese. China has Russia's back. And America seems to have Russia's back too because we're not sanctioning their oil. We're making excuses for not to do it. And we're also not protecting ourselves at home and unleashing our own energy independence. So that's what I wanted to tell you about that. Xi and Putin met in February before the invasion. I wonder what they talked about. They signed a deal worth billions and billions, and it's in euros, by the way, not dollars. They're also colluding because they want to get away from the dollar. They want to weaken the American dollar. They want to weaken American influence in the world because dollar, the dollar still reigns supreme. It's the currency. And so they're, they're switching to euros. Their exchange for 30 years and billions will be in euros, not dollars. Um, so anyway, so while Putin's on vacation, comes back talking about... Uh, well, this is, this is the Democrat Party for you. They're not focused at all, by the way, on any sanctions or shoring up things here at home. No, the Democrats, they voted for an anti-lynching bill. That's right. They found the time, I believe it was on Monday, to vote for an anti-lynching bill. Did you know that lynching was legal in America? No? Me neither. 
because it's not legal in America. It's illegal to lynch. It's called murder as well. It's illegal to murder. So uh, Cory Booker and Tim Scott, this is why, never forget, Tim Scott is not one of the good guys. Tim Scott from South Carolina, Republican, he's a rhino. So Cory Booker and Tim Scott, they both happen, happen to be African-Americans. Cory Booker's a, a, a black Democrat. Tim Scott's a black Re- Republican. They introduced legislation to make lynching a federal crime. It's called the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. Emmett Till was a 14-year-old boy who was brutally lynched in 1955. It is 2022. But this is in honor of somebody who was lynched in a bygone era that has no association with anyone in the modern era today. But they're going back to 1955, and I, you know, X amount of decades later, now they're passing an anti-lynching act. So, I mean, here's the thing, too. Lynching wasn't a federal crime. It was a crime, but now it's a double crime, which accomplishes nothing. It's virtue signaling. It's so stupid. All this going on, and they're focused on passing an anti-lynching bill. It's illegal to lynch, but now it's doubly illegal to lynch because now not only is it punishable in states, but the FBI, the DEA, and ICE, well, they're also going to be involved in investigating lynchings. So murder, for example, right? Like using a a gun or a knife that's prosecuted in state courts as a state crime. It's illegal. But murder becomes a federal crime instead of a state crime when it occurs in violation of federal law. So it's semantics. Look, if a federal employee is murdered, that'd be like an FBI agent or someone in their immediate family, a TSA, ATF agent. If they're killed or a federal official like a judge or congressman is killed, it's a federal offense, a federal crime. Semantics. Um, and I have it on good authority, by the way. This isn't the only thing they tried to do. Um, hang with me here. I want to find this, uh, this article here. Oh, so on Monday, this was shot down by Republicans, by the way. Uh, uh, Jim Jordan gave a big indictment of what their Democrats were trying to do. So these are their priorities, right? Everything happening in this country, Russia, Ukraine, you name it. Everything's more important than what I'm about to read to you, including what I just told you about with this anti-lynching bill. So they failed to pass this bill. Are you ready? Creating a respectful and open world for natural hair act, the crown act. It would prohibit discrimination against people with certain hairstyles, which is already unlawful. Unlawful. Unbelievable what they're trying to do right now. All of this stuff going on, and they are focused on that garbage? You remember how they treated Trump? You know, they tried to drag him through the mud. They tried to get people like Paul Manafort, for example, right? Uh, Paul Manafort, he got 73 months in prison. He was an ex-Trump aide. He was the campaign chief for Donald Trump back in 2016 for four months. All right, but he came under federal investigation and he was convicted on a range of charges, but it was related to banking fraud, tax evasion. That's it. That's it. It had nothing to do with Trump. He did it on his own. He cheated. He was a tax cheat. Okay. And so for that, he was condemned. But they used Manafort's indictments, Manafort being in trouble, as somehow proof that Trump was also corrupt. Trump-Russia collusion because we got Manafort. We didn't get Trump on his charges, but Manafort. Keep your eye on Manafort because if Manafort's 
a corrupt guy, if we got him on tax evasion, well, certainly Trump is too. Now think about that. Now the New York Post has a story. Hunter Biden's pal was sentenced to prison for his role in a fraud scheme. So a former business partner of Hunter Biden, uh, he was sentenced Monday to more than a year in prison for his role in a scheme to defraud a Native American tribe of some $60 million in bonds. Devin Archer is his name, a close associate of Hunter Biden. He was sentenced to one year and one day in federal prison by Manhattan Judge Ronnie Abrams, who said the crime was too serious to let him just walk. It's too bad he didn't, he wasn't a BLM member and tried to assassinate uh, a politician. Then he'd be bailed out by BLM. But, you know, anyway, these white collar crimes, you know, you got to lock them up. So anyway, the point is, so Archer, he served with Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma Holdings. That's the Ukrainian-based energy company uh, where Hunter Biden was paid a million dollars a year or so, I believe it was, with no energy experience just to be on the board. That's right. So, so Burisma. So, he, so Archer and Hunter worked together in Ukraine on the board of Burisma. And uh, Hunter's, Hunter's salary, by the way, think, talk about corruption, the obvious, right? So Burisma was paying Hunter $1 million a year. And they cut his monthly compensation in half two months after his father ceased to be vice president. So back in uh, 2016. But anyway, here I'm saying, where's the media right now? If this was Donald Trump and they got an associate of his, they'd be, they'd be going in guns blazing, investigating. What else can we unearth? I mean, if this person, an associate who worked with Hunter Biden is corrupt and going to prison, well, we got to get Hunter Biden. We got to get Joe Biden, but they're not going to do it because they're corrupt and they're liars and they're liars. And you know what I want to end with? I've, I, I want to end with... Um, with uh, this story here, hang with me, D. I've got this stack of things, and it's, uh, of course, I got it out of order because, you know, things come to my brain, and uh, we rock and roll here, and sometimes you just kind of got to go with the flow. You got to go where your brain takes you, where I feel we need to go together, and so it's not always in, in some order. So uh, the CDC needs to be disbanded, in my opinion. Actually, that would be the just, righteous thing to, to do. So the, the, um, here we go. So the CDC is updating their COVID metrics by updating. They're changing them completely. Brand new metrics, brand new metrics. All of a sudden the CDC has decided to account for natural immunity and prior infections. So getting rid of the mass mandates and everything else, basically saying we're done with COVID. We're moving on. Well, it's not because COVID ended. It's not because Biden did anything to end it. It's because the CDC was engaged in a dishonest scheme to make things look worse than they were. So I'll give you an example. Now they're going to treat it like the flu, which is how it should have been all along. Uh, In the past, for example, uh, let me read this. Here's one of their changes. Although children can get infected and sick, they're most likely to have asymptomatic or mild infections. Wow. That's what we knew all along. But then they tried to force vaccines on our children, even though we know this, and now they're admitting, oh, yeah, you're right. 
They can get infected and sick, but they'll be asymptomatic or mild infections. These people need to be in prison for what they've done to our families, our children, and our society. So they're doing this. They're going to shift from looking at cases alone to meaningful consequences of the virus, such as hospitalizations, emergency room visits, and deaths. Wow, there's a brilliant idea. Um, maybe we shouldn't base our lockdowns on the number of, of infections, but we should base anything like that, any kind of extreme measures, based on the deadly consequences. Uh, 40 million people a year or so get the flu. Most of them live. You look at hospitalizations, but we've been lied to all along. So all of these, you know, they had these maps drawn. They were called transmission maps, and they put you in these high-risk categories and low-risk categories. And before, I think, uh, so 90% of Americans, before, okay, let me put it this way. Before the CDC just changed their metrics, 90% of America was considered high-risk on the map. 90%. They changed the metrics, and overnight, only 30% of America, the whole country, 30% of it is considered high risk based on looking at severe cases and hospitalizations instead of reported cases. You know, all those test kits out there, everyone who was not sick, testing for COVID, testing positive for COVID, even though they weren't even sick or feeling symptoms. And that was counted and that was used as some basis of how dangerous this was. That was meaningless. It's it's serious consequences from it, and they didn't do it. So 90, we went from 90% of America, high risk. We got to lock down, be cautious. You got to continue to take these mandates and force them on people. And now we're 30% just with a snap of fingers because the CDC changed their COVID metrics. I can't tell you how outrageous that is. I really can't tell you that. But anyway, we've got the, uh, the State of the Union coming up tonight. I've told you what to expect. It'll be a bunch of drivel. It'll all be about hope, about how in the future the Democrats are going to do something. And only if we switch to green new energy will our problems go away. Only if we do exactly what the Democrats demand will everything be solved. They're lighting fires, lighting the fires, and presenting themselves as those most qualified to solve the problem, even though they're the ones responsible. So that's what you're going to hear, a bunch of drivel. It's going to be hard to listen to. I am excited to hear the Republican response. I forget, she's a female governor, I believe, who's going to give the, the Republican response to the State of the Union, but that I'm actually excited to see because it's going to set the tone for where we're headed for the midterms. So that's something to look forward to. But uh, this will be a bunch of lies and garbage delivered, and it's going to make you mad. It just is. It just is. But uh, this, was, this, this went by faster than, than I ever imagined today's episode. I actually, when I got into it, I was kind of tired and I was thinking, there's so much on my mind. How am I going to deliver this information? And I know I've been really fast-paced with regards to my, my cadence today. And it was just trying to get through all of this stuff. But, but you know, here we are. I mean, we, we, we got through it. There's always more, but I'm going to leave you with that today. Um, but I want to thank you for being back with me again. I've, I've really been looking forward to getting back behind this microphone with you. And uh, I just want to tell you, um, you know, God bless you all out there. Hang tight, hang tough, stay informed, and uh, we'll keep fighting, fighting the good fight. All right, this is Drew Allen. Until next time.